On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Eichert and Lehman, we jump right into local college football news. We talk about Lincoln Riley's comments about the OU quarterbacks and give you the latest update on what OU Texas may look like. We discuss the big national stories in college football, the coronavirus affecting big programs, and some big-time programs scheduling a home-and-home series. In Football Guys Talking Basketball, we discuss the latest updates on the NBA's return in Orlando, We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and explore the Oklahoma fishing trail in keeping it local. As always, we finish with a Twitter question. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Oste will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, June 22nd. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. Just a reminder, if your business is interested in sponsoring the podcast during football season, email Teddy and me at theoklahomabreakdown at gmail.com. And just so you know, Teddy, we have entered the contract phase. Oh, wow. With, uh, with a sponsor. It's close now. It's not a done deal. So I'm not going to the, – the ink is not dry yet. We're anticipating that tomorrow. But things are happening. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited. Don't even know what to do with myself. And look at you, Mr. Contract Negotiator. How about that? Well, luckily I was raised by lawyers. So I, <laughs> um, I was able to slap something together. No, we, uh, we uh, sought some legal counsel on the contracts and, and hopefully nice. everything works out. I'm excited. We'll announce it once uh, the ink is dry or once they docu-sign it. So we'll see. But Ted, how was Father's Day? You, you actually have a child. Now, for Father's Day isn't quite the same for me, although my wife tries to make me feel as special as possible <laughs> being the proud fur father of two beautiful mini Australian Labradoodles. But uh, how was it, man? It was awesome. First of all, I got to go help my parents move uh, over the weekend back oh. into the house that they lost. <laughs> well, it it was it was typically helping someone move is horrible, but helping my parents move back into the house that they lost a year ago in the flood was awesome. Um, the whole family was together, so we were moving stuff back out there. That was cool. Um, get my parents back out to where they're. They're really happy. So we did that over the weekend, and then uh, we came home, and it was awesome. My my son got me, uh, son and wife um, got me some shoes, got me some some cool stuff. But the best thing was they put together a card for me um, that my son did with some of the things about uh, him and his dad. So that was really cool. It, it really was, and 
you're you're happy whenever you get to the age the kids get to the age where they can actually take part in it a little bit you know and your your son gets to chip in a little bit too so it was perfect it was weather was beautiful it was a perfect father's day in every way well um, i'm glad to hear that um, now tell I don't me know. about yourself what did I, you get i i didn't get anything yet but okay. uh there was some sort of delay with my fur father's day gift mm. but i i think this was a subtle message from my wife because allegedly lonnie and mckenna my my two dogs they got me a towel situation that covers the peloton huh. uh, so i think that may have been a subtle hint that my fat ass is sweating too much on the peloton <laughs> for my wife's liking so uh what a thoughtful gift from the dogs just so uh, thoughtful i can't believe that they got me something so practical that i can use every day that would it's just so weird it's going to make my wife so happy that the dogs are just i mean can you believe it you may have to go with a sweatband or something at some point and i, I don't know if it if you last thing you want to do is ruin that uh, very nice piece of equipment by flooding it with sweat it, it's it's an absolute <laughs> bloodbath it's it's disgusting, but I am what I am. I still sweat like I'm over 300 pounds, but that's kind of the point, right? I'm on there to work. That's right. But that's right. Hopefully that uh that Peloton towel will serve me serve me well. We'll see. We'll see. I doubt it because I'll probably just sweat through it, and then the towel will drip onto the Peloton. But you know, we'll <laughs> see. Um, let's get to some college football, shall we, Ted? And we'll start with local college football news and let's start with Lincoln Riley I uh, had an interesting interview with our friends over there at Golick and Wingo and said a lot of uh, you know a lot of things but one thing that really stood out to a lot of people was his comments about the quarterback situation at Oklahoma and there isn't spring ball we haven't got to see Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler go at it head-to-head -head necessarily on the field. But uh, it was interesting that Lincoln Riley said, quote, both Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler we think are tremendous young prospects. If they weren't, we probably would have brought in another transfer. These guys are ready to play. I, I am finding it very enjoyable with how candid – Lincoln Riley has become over the last three months. Remember, th this is a guy that has been, you know, relatively reserved. Um, some would say even cryptic with his messaging since he's been the head coach. I mean, he's rarely stepped out of bounds and let us know what he really thinks. And I, I feel like now he's just giving us everything. Teddy's just saying, you know what? This is me. I'm just going to finally tell everyone what I think. Yeah, it's it's funny that it it kind of gives you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. You know, I'm sure as soon as the regular season is over and, you know, teams are, are capping off their seasons and capping off bowl games that the phone is ringing nonstop from quarterbacks across the country that want to transfer in. I mean – we know how that feels. It's like us with people wanting to sponsor the show, right? We're swatting just, them away like flies. They're, they're coming out of everywhere. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, we only have so many spots, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I think it's awesome. Um, it just, 
you know, aside from being open and honest about, about how he feels about his guys, it's also kind of a, a shot out there to everyone across the country coaching a football team that, uh, yeah, your quarterback may be calling me. So your quarterback <laughs> you know. probably your quarterback probably wants me to get him drafted in the first round. But nah, we're good. We're good here, pal. It's pretty good though. I mean, you know, the ability to go to the bullpen and just swoop up a a top transfer out there in college football anytime you want it is something that really right now a handful of schools have, you know, really outside of Oklahoma. I mean, you had the LSU with with Joe Burrow, and um, I guess Georgia is about to try their hand at it. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Jamie Newman there uh, in Athens. Uh, I think people are expecting him to have a big year, but that probably is about the only big-time transfer quarterback when you really think of it. Ohio State. Uh, that situation where they got the Georgia kid fields. So that was kind of a musical chairs type situation. It felt like with Burrow leaving Ohio state, going to LSU and fields going up there. So, but yeah, it's, it's pretty rare. And Lincoln somehow has done it three straight times. This will be the first, if Spencer Rattler wins the job, which we expect, he'll be the first uh, real true recruit that Lincoln has had play, which is maybe the strangest thing of all. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. When I saw him say that, and, and I've heard him say things like that, and, you know, you and I know how high they are on Mordecai and Rattler. I mean, they feel really good about both of them. But, listen, I don't know if I trust another human being's opinion on any subject more than I trust Lincoln Riley's opinion on quarterbacks in his system. So if Lincoln Riley says – that Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler are ready to roll, then I believe the man. And, and I know that they've been doing virtual meetings and they haven't been on campus lately and they're not going to get there till late June and start the voluntary workouts July 1. Like, I, I get it. But if Lincoln Riley, who meets with these guys every day for hours on end and has been quizzing them and teaching them the game – and broadening their football horizons. If Lincoln Riley says these guys are ready to roll, guess what? I'm expecting them to put up huge numbers. I don't care if it's Mordecai or Rattler. That's just where that that's just how much I trust what Lincoln Riley says about the quarterback position because the track record is there. I I mean, is there any reason at all? to doubt either of those guys. And I know that a lot of people are expecting Rattler to be the guy. I understand that. But even if it is Mordecai, some way, somehow, I'm expecting both of these guys to put up huge numbers if their number's called. I mean, if Lincoln Riley has this amount of confidence in him, why shouldn't I? Yeah. Here's the, here's the thing that um, you have to keep in mind whenever you, you think about Oklahoma and quarterbacks. Um, number one, we're run-first offense. Uh, we'll run the ball this year more than anyone in the Big, show, uh, Big 12, most likely. Um, we've got a really good offensive line. I think the offensive line, which you'll know better than me, but I feel like they've got a chance to be improved over last year by maybe a decent margin. Um, if you've got a good offensive line and a good running game, Lincoln Riley's offense is, I don't want to say easy, 
but these quarterbacks are going to be well protected and throwing to wide open receivers. I mean, that's what we've seen in this offense. When the offensive line is good and they're running the football well, uh, the play action game, the, the RPO game, all of that stuff opens the passing game up so much. So the pressure really is, I don't, I don't want to say off these guys, but as far as having everything around them, they've got it. I mean, they're going to have outstanding skill position players. They're going to have, like we said, uh, outstanding offensive line play. It's really on them just to let this uh, Lincoln Riley offense do its work and do its job. And if anything that we've seen recently uh, help us tell the future, it will say that these guys are going to complete, whoever it is, about 70% of their passes and uh, limit turnovers uh, uh, by a huge margin. And it's going to be a a fast-moving, explosive offense, again, led by the running game. I I just feel like I'm spoiled at this point. I, I assume this is what a lot of OU fans feel like, where you just go, yeah, they're going to score between 40 and 50 a game. Yeah, we're good. I mean, yeah, I know people are worried about the quarterback position, but I, I, I just have no concerns about the offense. And maybe, maybe that's naive, and I know that it's been a really weird offseason, but listen, I, I just can't imagine a Lincoln-Riley offense not scoring a shit ton of points. I just, I just can't. So, yeah, when I heard him say that about the quarterbacks, it made me feel a little fuzzy inside. I felt pretty good about it because I, I think a lot of people were anticipating him being like, ah, well, this offseason, it's not ideal. You know, when you're going with, when you're choosing between two guys that haven't started games, stuff like that. He's like, nah, they're ready to roll. We're good here. Sure. You, <laughs> hey, works for me. Sure. And he compared it to last year, bringing in a transfer. Like it was, it was a full on cram session trying to get Jalen Hurts up to speed in this offense. So, uh, with guys that have been there, know it, um, know the terminology and all that stuff, they should be able to to get right in there. Uh, here's another thing. Let's let's say that Spencer Rattler wins the job. This is, this is something that w- we talked about on our show in the afternoon, Tyler McComas and myself, and I think he brought it up. I think it's a fascinating point. Spencer Rattler, think of the pressure that he's got. You know, we've seen everyone's had to come in and – fill the shoes of a great quarterback that was, you know, preceded them, right? And that's going to be the same thing with Spencer Rattler. But there's an extra element to this one. If Caleb Williams, who we think is going to commit to Oklahoma, commits on the 4th of July and puts on that University of Oklahoma hat on, well, not only does he have the pressure of trying to fill the shoes of of the guys that came before him, but he's also got the pressure of one of the biggest – quarterback recruits in the country, maybe the biggest signs and is sitting there right behind him, ready to go. So if you think about it, he's got one year, he's got a one year window to go out there and, and be special as a red shirt freshman. I mean, Hey, pressure, baby. <laughs> it makes diamonds. It, it, hey, it makes diamonds or it bursts pipes. Right. And I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm all for the quarterback position at the University of Oklahoma having that type of pressure I think the standard for that position under Lincoln Riley at OU has been set and it's a ridiculous standard where you either win the Heisman Trophy or you get second and you go in the first or second round like but that's just how it is that's where we're at right so 
Spencer Rattler, if if he ends up winning the job and Kalen Williams on the 4th of July says, I'm coming to Oklahoma, well, you better perform. That I, I, I wouldn't feel bad for Spencer Rattler. I, I mean, if he wants to play under Lincoln Riley, you got to win the job, and then you got to keep it. When a guy shows up, that, that's one thing. You can never have too much talent at the quarterback position, in my opinion. Hell, you can never have too much talent at any position. Look at what Saban does at Bama. I, I mean, look at what Brent Venables and Dabo have done at Clemson. I, I don't see anyone complaining about them stockpiling talent. Give me all the talent all the time, Ted. No, hey, I agree 100%. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how he responds to that because there is going to be a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, you know, he hasn't played football in a long time. I mean, I know he got in a little bit there at the – Ah, doesn't count. But, um, you know, we've got a front-loaded schedule this year. I mean, you come right out of the gate. You've got Tennessee. You've got Iowa State, Army early. Um, you know, OU Texas is early. So, we come right out of the gate and play our toughest football games of the year. And you go out there and don't look very good against Tennessee. You know how these fans are. They're like – When's Caleb Williams get here? So he here yet? Can he come? Can he come in the middle of the season? Save this one? Yeah, yeah. No, he, he's not going to get a whole lot of time to settle into the position before um, he faces a tough team. I mean, I I think we've got a pretty good edge over Tennessee, but I will say they're going to have maybe the best roster that we see all year, other than maybe Texas. Yeah, we'll we'll find out quickly what Rattler's made of and. I think people are expecting big things, and that includes Spencer Rattler expecting big things from himself and certainly that coaching staff expecting big things from him if he ends up winning the job. Now, Ted, you mentioned OU Texas, and we do have kind of an update from the State Fair of Texas. Uh, the State Fair said it'll make an announcement about the status of the fair in mid to late July. Now, coronavirus numbers in Texas have certainly spiked over the last week. And I know a lot of OU fans are clearly more focused on the actual game being played and maybe not what's going on with the fair, but you and I both know that the fair atmosphere is kind of what makes that the best game in all of college football, just the fiasco that is going on around and Remember last year, I think it was like 260,000 people came to the State Fair of Texas uh, the day of the game, which once again is absurd and should not be allowed, and they need to fix that. But you concerned at all with OU Texas if the fair is, I don't know, limited, maybe doesn't happen at all. I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I, I saw that press release and I was like, oh, ooh, that – it didn't seem to have a very positive tone to it. And I do think if the fair's not going on around the game, that takes a lot away from the game, unfortunately. But I just don't know, man, that it, this was a bad coronavirus weekend in general. But when I saw that from the State Fair of Texas, I was, I was a little alarmed, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I don't know – I don't know exactly how linked the state fair is with the Cotton Bowl folks and the actual game. I know that 
you know, they've, they've always gone hand in hand. But if they say there's no state fair, does that mean the Cotton Bowl says there's no state fair, you can't have the game on, on these grounds? Um, I don't know how that works. Does that mean that maybe we move it to Norman since we're the home team this year? Wouldn't um, hate that, not going to lie. Here's what's interesting, though. You know, Texas is – the Governor Abbott has already said 50% capacity for stadiums coming this fall. Now, that can be changed up or down as, um, as we move through this thing. So, I mean, there could be a case where, you know, you go to that game and it's a 50% capacity situation already, which is weird. But if they were to move it to Norman – to where we did a maybe a home and home situation this year next I don't know wouldn't hate it but it would I I think it would be awesome but what are the chances that you know it's a home game for us and we're at 50% capacity and it's not your true home field advantage game against Texas so that would be kind of weird if you had it in Norman you would want it where it's like you know insane yeah, so that kind of takes the sting out of it a little bit. I've always thought it would be cool. Like they do a two-year renovation, right, of the Cotton Bowl, make it really nice, something like that, and you play one in Austin, you play one in Norman. It, if we knew that the Cotton Bowl was coming back and that the game was going to be there after those two years for a long, long time, sign me up for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be it, – it's still so bizarre, and I, and I know a lot of OU fans are like this as well, but – Every guy that played at OU, our biggest rival, we've never been to their stadium. I know. Never seen it. Never seen Crazy. it. Couldn't tell you anything about it. Don't want to tell you anything about it. Now, I can tell you a little about 6th Street on Austin, but never had any interest in going to the stadium when I visited Austin, when we visited some friends. But I, I think that would be awesome. But, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if the game will be the same, if the fair atmosphere isn't around it. But I don't know. I feel like it'll work out. I feel like the fair is going to happen. Now, maybe they'll limit how many people can come on a given day. I don't know how those logistics would work. But, yeah, it's, it's, this whole thing is weird. Uh, I think we I'm, talked I'm sick about of it. Before. Oh, I am too. I think we talked about it before, and uh, I think maybe you brought it up, the idea of they have the state fair, obviously limited numbers over what they usually do. But on game day, it's only open to people that are holding an actual ticket to get into the Yeah, the 95,000 or uh, maybe that, that's what ends up happening. Uh, I, I don't know, but it sure will be interesting to see. Uh, the fact that they haven't made a decision yet, little alarming, but I still think that these things are going to be made relatively last minute, certainly last minute when it's compared what we're used to, right? So, yeah, I don't know. But we'll see what happens there with the State Fair uh, going on around OU Texas. Now, one more piece of local college football news. Uh, Mike Gundy called himself a dumbass, which (laughs) is – I mean, they're his words. I mean, the man called himself a dumbass, so we will accept that. And it seems like – He learned a lot over the last couple of days, but the interesting thing about this entire thing was he called himself a dumbass on an ESPN Plus show 
that has yet to be announced that appears to be following Oklahoma State, what, for the entire season, maybe? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, that's fascinating, you know, and I was wondering where that whole deal came from. But, uh, yeah, boy, they picked a, a heck of a year, didn't they? I mean, I know they – they felt like this was going to be their year to make first, a run. But. First episode should be uh, should be <laughs> relatively interesting, don't we think? I mean, here's the other thing that I thought was interesting. Boy, Gundy and Oklahoma State got into that four-minute offense quick to run out the clock on the week uh, before issuing any statement on the Alfred Williams situation um, with, with Colorado. I mean, there happened to be a – uh, Trump rally in town it's like if we could just get to Friday afternoon we can get to Saturday there's going to be so much stuff going on this weekend that this whole situation is going to be forgotten about and it kind of was so uh, kudos to them for running out the clock on the week yeah but I, I don't know any of the details on what Oklahoma State football is doing with ESPN plus now I'm a big ESPN plus guy uh, I think that the Big 12 did a great job using utilizing that platform. And if it gets us more kind of insider content, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff with Oklahoma State, like you said, in a year where they've got big expectations, should be really cool for a lot of Oklahoma State fans and college football fans in general. Maybe we'll get to see some of those changes they've been talking about over the last couple of days. I, I don't know, but I, I'm certainly intrigued. I will watch the hell out of that. It's going to be interesting, too, because, you know, before this whole, you know, last 10 days or so for Mike Gundy, it probably would have been, like, really cool to see Gundy behind the scenes, right? You know, he likes the camera, and he likes to act out a little Just bit. Just completely unfiltered, too. Right. Like, you know, letting his guard down. Now he's going to be – you talk about on edge all the time. That's right. Whoa. You you may not see a whole lot from uh, from Gundy from this point on. It may be uh, pretty buttoned up around there. Yeah, but should be fun. Uh, I think we'll, I guess, wait on the details of what's going on there with Oklahoma State and ESPN+. Plus. But looks like they'll be following them all season. Hope they do. That'd be, that'd be really cool. Good exposure for the state. Good exposure for Oklahoma State. Um, Ted, let's move on to the national storylines in college football. And really, the biggest storyline from the weekend is the coronavirus came at college football strong in the last couple of days. Uh, here's a little recap of some things that happened over the weekend. Lincoln Riley said OU has had some guys test positive or be exposed to people that have tested positive. Not a shocker. Texas had 13 football players that have tested positive. Ten more are self-quarantining. LSU has at least 30 players quarantining. Now they've got some positive tests. We don't know the exact number, but a portion of those got infected at a Baton Rouge string of nightclubs called Tigerland, which sounds nice. like a whole lot of fun. I bet that's like City Walk, you know, seven clubs yep. in one, seven times the fun. Very, very similar, I would assume. Kansas State has paused voluntary football workouts entirely for two weeks. Uh, shocker. They think it spread through some members of the team going to a couple of off-campus parties. Clemson had 23 players test positive, even though they came back June 1st and isolated and had 
an initial testing when they got back. And then quite possibly in the weirdest development over the weekend, UCLA players are demanding that a third party health official observes all football activities. Now it came out that it seemed like they didn't trust Chip Kelly and his staff to do the right things, but fear not Dorian Thompson Robinson came to the rescue to clear things up. And their starting quarterback said that they just, they just don't want to quote, end up like other schools that have had very high cases as they've returned. Not a great weekend. Uh, Not a great weekend for the psyche of college football fans. I know a lot of people seem to have been worried with all of this stuff. Teddy, what can we tell the people to make them feel better about where college football is currently at? Because when you look at all the storylines from the weekend, not a lot of good news. Uh, I, I know some people are alarmed. I guess the, the only thing we can say to, to keep them from panicking is it's June 21st, um, or excuse me, June 22nd. We've got plenty of time before college football kicks off. We've got a ton of time. Now, um, some of this stuff is going to happen, and it's going to continue to happen. Uh, the thing that we've got to keep in mind is these college football players are at almost uh, just, I mean, slightly above zero risk of having uh, severe complications from this thing. Almost, I mean, of all of these teams, uh, Texas with 13, LSU with 30, Clemson with 23, Oklahoma with uh, some guys, we've only heard of, of guys in Houston having symptoms. Of all of these numbers, almost everyone that we've heard of is asymptomatic. And if anything that should keep you calm, it's that. If it was a case of uh, Clemson has 23 players that tested positive and they're all in the local ICU unit, okay, well then. Oh, mama. Yeah. That would be a different story. Right. So I think it, the numbers can be shocking and overwhelming. But if you look at the numbers nationwide, the numbers are going up, but the numbers are mainly of people between 18 and 35, and that demographic has very little trouble so far, at least, with the virus. So the numbers are going up in that demographic, and deaths are actually way, way down and continue to trend down. Now, as the cases spike, is that going to pick back up? We'll just have to wait and see, but um, it's early. We've got plenty of time, but, I mean, it's not the good news that you wanted. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about college football and its future this season Mm -hmm. being determined by the accountability of 18- to 22-year-old men? Yeah, guys go into a string of nightclubs called Tigerland and guys going to off-campus parties. Yeah, we knew that was coming. We we knew these things were going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. And it's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening, and that's a great point. It's going to happen during the season. But uh, like you mentioned, this demographic, it doesn't appear that – and from every report I've read from these things happen to college football teams, I haven't seen one time where a guy – 
is in the ICU or he's in critical condition or anything like that. So that is a positive. And then Teddy, there's the Teddy Lehman theory <laughs> that, that it might be a good thing that these guys are testing positive right now to where they can what build the antibodies or however the hell the scientific portion of this thing works. And I think the, if you're looking for a silver lining of this, right, they're back on campus, they're getting tested, and the majority of these guys are asymptomatic. And it's good that they're back and that they know they have it even when they're asymptomatic because that means you would hope that they're not going out and seeing their parents and seeing their grandparents and doing those things when they know they have the virus. And hopefully that keeps older people that are more susceptible to the complications of the virus, that keeps them safer. All of these young guys that are asymptomatic, knowing that they got it. So they don't go home. They don't do anything. I, I think that's maybe the most positive thing out of this entire situation. But Ted, you know, as well as I do, and it's going to say, it's going to sound bad. Some of these college football coaches that are having these outbreaks on their team, they love it. They do. You, you know that they do because just like you said a couple of weeks ago, they're getting it out of the way. It, it almost seems for, for a college football team at this point, it almost seems inevitable that the majority of your guys are going to have it. And I know this sounds bad, but it's like, well, let's get it out of the way before the games start getting played. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we really don't know the, the data isn't completely crystal clear on if you've had it once that you can't get it again. There have been cases of people getting it a second time, but we do know that it's been very rare. So that does help out quite a bit. And I mean, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I've said all along that these guys should have been on the campus the whole time because they're there, they're together, they're away from those uh, vulnerable groups of people. So I don't know. I, I don't like that places are shutting down. I don't like that Houston shut down. I don't like that Kansas State shut down. Um, you know, I know they feel like that's best, but all they're going to do is shut down maybe send guys away, I don't know what, but then bring them back. And just like you said, 18 to 22-year-old guys, when you send them away, they're not going to go home and sit in the basement in isolation. It's not going to happen. So you might as well keep them there, keep trucking, and hopefully by the time the season rolls around, you've got it behind your football team for the most part. I would like to uh, officially endorse my stance on this, that I am anti guys getting the coronavirus i want to make that clear that i i i don't think it's a good thing that these guys are getting the coronavirus but uh, i do think when you look around the country and you see some of the stuff you're going well maybe they're just getting it out of the way maybe this is inevitable and they're dealing with it in june instead of in september but like you mentioned we just got to get used to this Right. And it's going to be really interesting to see how each school handles it on a case by case basis, because 
yeah, there's going to be some people that shut down, but there's also, I think there's going to be some schools that go, Hey, this is just something we have to work through. We have to give these guys the best medical care that we can get them, make sure that they all get through this safely and then keep trucking. You don't want your guys to get the virus. I don't think any coach actually wants their guys to get the virus, but it does seem like if they are going to get it, that you would want him to work through that now as opposed to when you're playing games in the fall. And Which, in hindsight, is, I think, exactly what Nick Saban was trying to do when they tested the guys and then they went you, and had that workout. Even though the, <laughs> it wasn't the uh, – it, it was the guys doing it themselves. I think that's actually what was going on there. Now, you said that if you were a college football coach, you would just get them all in the same room, right, and what? Maybe take it to the extreme of having them just spit in each other's mouths, something Dog like pile. that, straight out of straight out of the program, right? Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. That I could is, see Saban doing that, right? I mean, uh, guys, listen, we've had a couple of positive tests. I want you guys to go out there and mingle, okay? No, I, I don't know, man. I, I, it's. It's so it's so interesting. I mean, this is something that you never thought you'd have to try and navigate before. It's a it, it's a virus that is obviously very deadly, but very deadly for a specific category of the population and the other guys almost asymptomatic, mild symptoms at worst and so I, I can imagine the frustration as a college football coach saying, well, yeah, we've had 15 guys test positive, but they're standing right there and they're completely fine. They're, they don't even know that they have it, but you've got to shut down your program. I mean, that's got to yeah. be very difficult. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And I will say this. When, when I was seeing this stuff come out uh, on Friday and Saturday, I was going, oh, God. Oh, no, what does this mean for college football season? And then the details kept coming out. Hey, all these guys are fine. A bunch of them are asymptomatic. No one's in the ICU. Everyone's doing well. And I was like, okay, don't panic. And I kind of think that's where football fans need to be right now is we need to realize that this is going to happen. Guys are going to test positive. Guys are going to miss practices they're going to miss training camp weeks at a time right they're going to miss games it's going to happen because I think the testing in college football is going to get ramped up and there is going to be some sort of testing protocol that at least the power five agrees upon but the important thing is that the kids are all right the kids are fine they're healthy now what would really start making me panic when we talk about the future of the season is if we start seeing some kids have some serious health complications. That's where I would start to panic. But until that happens, I am going to remain extremely optimistic that college football is going to get played and it's going to get played Maybe not in front of a ton of fans, but in front of some, maybe. I don't know. I'm still a little iffy on that, but I still feel good about the games getting played. I do because 
the statistics are what they are. And you know, Teddy, you know how cautious I've been about this whole virus and everything like that. But I, I, it, it calmed me down a little bit seeing that all the guys are all right up to this point that have contracted the virus across the country. Yeah. Well, that's, that's going to be the key. Um, you know, I, if, if football, a football team has vulnerable players or staff members or coaches, um, that's going to be an interesting thing that they're going to have to figure out a way to navigate. Are, are you more worried about the coaches than about the kids? Cause that's kind of where I land right now is you, I mean, you see there's some old head coaches, position coaches, you know, staff members. There's a lot of old dudes coaching yeah. college football. And if the players are spreading it through the team, that's something they really need to pay attention too, is the interaction between the staff and these players because that gets a lot more risky, in my yeah. opinion. So I think that's why you'll see things like virtual meetings continue. Maybe, I don't know if it'll continue through the season, but certainly up to training camp. I think there's no reason to ex expose some of these old dudes to the players. I, that doesn't make much sense at all to me. So I think why even do it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's going to be a different season and they're definitely going to have to be careful with people that are around the team that, um, you know, fit some of the criteria for the people that are at risk. If you've got them, they're going to have to remain separated. And, you know, it just, it's one of those things where to me, it's, you, you got to make, you want to be absolutely safe, but, at the same time, you got to make some smart decisions. Um, you don't want to shut down an entire football program because there's an at-risk person there. You just need to, you know, separate the people that you think are, are vulnerable and kind of let this thing carry on. Unless we get to a point where, you know, and this still may happen. And I'll be honest with you, I've been, I've been very optimistic for a long time that football – was going to be fine and was going to happen. I, I would say you're Mr. Optimism on that I've front. Been, I've been Mr. Optimism, but um, recently because of some of the news and because of some of the relentless nature of the – there's some voices that don't think we should play and they're oh, pretty loud. <laughs> right. They're pretty loud and they're – you know, there's, it's, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I still feel good about it, but you know, I'll say it. News. I will say it and I'm not scared to say it. Play the games, pay the kids. I don't know how, I don't know how complicated that would be, but I understand a lot of people uh, have reservations about college football being played because the kids aren't getting paid. Now, the, that'll start the argument about, well, they're on scholarship and all that. Hey, give them a couple grand each game. Give them a game check, right? They're playing during a pandemic. If there's still weird things going on, if, if campus is still limited, figure out a way, right? Compensate the kids. I don't care. But when you look at the financial implications on colleges and universities across the country, if football season doesn't get played, Oh boy, 
Ooh. Well, I mean, oh boy, they're they're going to get hammered anyways. Right. I mean, yeah. Universities are going to get absolutely hammered this year. I mean, think about it. If you're if you're a parent right now, that may be sending a kid to like the university. I don't know a bunch of the other schools' rules as far as what's going to happen this fall, but OU is going to they're going to have classes on campus and over 40 is going to be online. Well, if you're sending a freshman here, you know, a lot of those freshman classes are huge classes. And if, and if, you know, a huge percentage of your workload is going to be online and you're going to be living in a dorm by yourself. I mean, a lot of parents are going to say, uh, no, thank you. Not happening. Especially those out of state tuition parents. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a huge headwind on college campuses, not, in not just in Oklahoma, but all across the country, uh, for parents that are sending their kids away. And, you know, not just, not just for those reasons, but also parents may not be comfortable sending their, their kids into an environment where they don't know how safe it's going to be from the virus. So there's, there's going to be, there's going to be some pain this fall in higher education. Across okay. I feel, I, I feel like we're really killing everyone's buzz. <laughs> we're, we're killing everyone's buzz. So let's, let's talk about something positive in college football. And that is a big home and home that got scheduled. And I know it's not until 27 and 28, but Ohio state and Alabama scheduling a home and home for 2027 and 2028. And I think that this is so good for college football. This is something that we've seen OU do in recent years, right? Starting to schedule really good non-conference opponents, especially for the future. And my favorite part about the Ohio State and Bama series is it's not at an NFL stadium at a neutral site. Now, OU Texas, that's a different neutral site, right? I mean, the Cotton Bowl is sacred. It's special. But when you look at two big-time programs in Ohio State and Alabama, that's two of the top three programs in all of college football. I don't think really anyone would debate that. Maybe two of the top four if Georgia wants to make an argument with Clemson. And then, of course, OU in the top five. But my favorite part about it is it keeps the best part of college football. And that is the game day atmosphere on a college campus. In my opinion, that is the best part of college football. And the fact that Alabama, they have played some solid non-conference games lately. They have, but they've all been in NFL stadiums, a neutral site. This one, that is going to be awesome for all college football fans to watch Ohio State go to Tuscaloosa and to watch Alabama go to Columbus. I mean, that is going to be absolutely fantastic. And it also made me wonder, when is Nick Saban going to retire? Because he is he is racking up some serious non-conference opponents, Ted. Like, he can't be around right. in 2027 still, right? Well, that was the joke going around. You know, Nick Saban has been very anti uh, big game non-conference um, doesn't want any chance of losing something early in the season and if they do have them they try and have them at a neutral site so they don't have to go anywhere and play anyone uh, so the joke was that okay we know Nick Saban's uh, the d- exact date he's retiring uh, 2026 after that season so no it's um I think this is great I love this for college football um, I think you're right 
the best thing about, you know, non-conference or even just in conferences, whenever you're hosting a huge game or as a, you know, we get to go on the road like to Tennessee and stuff like that. And you are a, a big time guest at another large university. We went to Ohio state. That's awesome. I mean, it's just, it's completely different than your every weekend type of atmosphere. So definitely love this need more of it. Have, have we talked about this on here that college football should centralize scheduling and yeah, that would make a ton year? of sense that, that, that would make, that would be the coolest thing. Just a reveal ever. show. Reveal show of who's playing who, what big games are happening, what crossover conferences, or however you do it. That I think, I think college football's missing out on that. Teddy, don't be ridiculous. This is college football where you know who you're playing 15 years in advance. <laughs> That's and, how I know I'm getting old because whenever I first started radio, it literally within like the first month or two. Oklahoma announced their Nebraska series that was coming up and my I wouldn't stop laughing about the fact that it was scheduled so far out and now we're almost there so it makes me feel incredible God you are getting old <laughs> but you you got to give you know schools like Oklahoma with the way they schedule like Alabama like Ohio State I mean when you look at Bama's non-conference opponents over the next 15 years Serious. Texas Wisconsin Florida State Notre Dame OU, Virginia Tech, all in there. So you got to give them some credit. I know OU scheduling similarly. Ohio State, very similar. They're playing some serious heavy hitters in the non-conference. But this is what college football fans want. And more importantly, this is what college football fans deserve, to watch the Blue Bloods go at it in the non-conference, to watch these teams not be scared to play these big-time games. And I do think that the anticipation of the college football playoff expanding to eight teams plays a part in this. What, that TV deal's up, I think, 2025. And I think we're all expecting it to go to eight. But other than money, uh, the number one reason I think college football playoff expansion is a good thing is that we're going to see more games like these. And I love the four-team playoff. I think it's fantastic. I think it brings drama. I think it's hard to get there, and that's how it should be. But if expanding to eight teams gets us more non-conference games like these, sign me up, bro, because if I can watch Ohio State and Bama play, if I can watch Bama and OU play in games like that every single year on a regular basis, I'll be fine watching an eight-team playoff. I'll get over it. Uh, it, man, it's really interesting. You know, across the country, you know, the the game day attendance is down. Um, it's it's pretty much down across the board. Now, obviously, some places uh, it's aren't nearly as Got hard. Got a feeling it'll others. be down this year. Just a feeling. Just a feeling. That's what I'm kind of getting at here. You know, uh, we, we've started to see more of these type of games scheduled by the big teams. I think part of it is they've got to keep their fan bases happy. No doubt. There's so much, so much access out there these days that if you're just bringing in three teams to pound every year in the non-conference, your fans are not going to, it's like, we're going to go do something else. We're not, we're not picking up our season tickets. We're not going to come and, and watch you play three teams that you beat by 45 points every year. 
We want some big football games. So there's a lot to compete with. And I just wonder what you think it's going to do. This is a little off topic, but this season, there hasn't been sports for, you know, however long now, over 100 days, I think. And people have found other things to do with their time, whether it's get back into some old hobbies, start doing more stuff outside, whatever it is that that it may be. Do you think that we're going to see maybe some lower numbers of, of college football because of that? Or people, is that demand going okay, to be there whenever let, it's open? Uh, let's say that seating capacity is 100% for this hypothetical. I don't know about you, dude, but – and and I am a guy that likes to stay home. Like, mm-hmm. I I go and do things because my wife makes me do them. That's just the truth. Like, I like sitting on the couch. I like sitting on my ass and enjoying Same. some me time, right? But even a guy like me is starting to get a little stir crazy. And w- human beings crave contact. I mean, just talking to other human beings, being social with them. And also, there's been no sports. So you combine people wanting to spend time with other people and no sports happening for the last couple of months. I think if we get to a place where capacity is 100%, people are going to be dying to go to games. Maybe that's the worst. That's not the best phrase to use. Uh, maybe <laughs> People are going to really want to go to games and enjoy each other's company, enjoy the passion that is involved in sports, enjoy just, you know, being around other people that are cheering for the same damn thing as you. I think people would love to go to games this year, especially with how cooped up we've been. But I just don't know how realistic that is, Ted. At the, where we stand today, I do not feel good about stadiums being, being full. I, I don't. I'm not going to lie. But if it gets to that point, I know some people would be hesitant, and I would understand that. But there's going to be people just really wanting to get to those games because I don't know about you, man, but I just want to get back to my life as normal. I'm, I'm yeah. tired of this shit. I am, and clearly not the only one, although I'm still doing my thing. I'm staying home. I'm socially distancing. I'm trying to do the responsible and right things right, but you're already starting to see when people are going out. They're going to bars. They're hanging out with their friends. They're, I think people are over it. A lot of people yeah. are over it, and if you tell people they can go to football games, guess what they're going to do, man? They're They're going to those games because that's what they're used to doing, and they just want to get – back to life is normal and I know it may not be normal but it's hard to tell people if you say hey you can come to the game I would be shocked I really would if attendance wasn't good you know attendance at OU will be good Mm -hmm. but I think it'll be good at all these big programs across the country because people just want their lives back man yeah no I I agree with uh about everything you're 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 saying there one of the other things that I thought would have happened by now, thought we would have seen baseball being played by now, thought we would have seen basketball being played I by now. I can't believe I lifted my baseball boycott for those assholes. I, of course, nothing's gotten done. And it, I, nope. I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be any development today, but ugh, 
Those guys are frustrating me. Just figure yeah. it out. So, I mean, and maybe they will. I gave up on baseball a long time ago. I don't care if they play or not. Um, My boycott is back on. Back I, on. I am no longer talking about Major League Baseball. What The thing that's happening, though, is we're starting to threaten with what we kind of said from the beginning that we can't have, which is college football be the first sport back in front of fans. Right? And – that's Here a really good point. It's almost the end of June, and we still haven't had anything happen in front of fans. So uh, that's one thing that's starting to get worrisome. And the other thing is, I know people have found – Damn it, Teddy. Other- I haven't even <laughs> thought of that. And now – And the NFL, their preseason is going to be different. You know, they're, they're changing up their preseason. They may so, not even play it. What, two games at the most if they play anything? Ugh. Right. Teddy, so, why do you have to make such a good point? And here's the other thing. Um, the people have filled their time with, with other stuff recently without sports and figured out maybe that it's not the end of the world. But the sports people that they usually follow and watch have kept going, but it's been political. And I just I, – I hope that – not this poli- podcast, baby. Right. I just I hope that as political of the as the atmosphere as it's been around all sports recently, that that doesn't end up turning off a lot of fans. I really hate when you make good points, dude. Uh, I'm sick <laughs> of it. I'll stop. I'm sick of it. That let's. You got me all worried. Now let's move on to our segments. Uh, let's move on to our segment. And since it's Monday, you're going to get some football guys talking basketball. And Which, by the way, when are we getting our uh, FGTV hats or something? Don't we have ooh, to have some T-shirts? We, I feel like we, we know enough apparel, apparel people. I, I feel like I can find us someone to make us an FGTV hat. If, if you're listening out there and you know someone, hit us up. Let us know. Uh, yeah, I definitely – I actually have a hat that I wear all the time that I think we could model the FGTV hat after – Maybe we should sell merch. What would people buy an FGB T hat? FGTB? Maybe. I can't even say it. Good. It's hard to say fast. I FGTB. I, FGTB. There we go. But yeah, I, I don't know if people would buy merch or not. They buy a bunch of other incredibly stupid things online all day long. So yeah, why I'm, wouldn't they buy some merchandise? Myself included. We could definitely we'll roll some Oklahoma breakdown t shirts out uh, eventually. I've actually talked to Michael Hostie about that and we'd just split it with him. Hell, he owns – he's got the trademark so or the copyright or whatever the hell that is, and we can just split it with him. Love yeah. it. Nice business deal. All right, let's get to a little football guys talking basketball, Ted, and not the most encouraging news uh, when we talk about the NBA's return because – and I, I, I want to talk to the people of Florida right now. Guys, I need you to figure your shit out, please. <laughs> Because we want the NBA to come back. I want to watch the Oklahoma City Thunder finish out the season. Now, I don't expect them to win a title or anything, but I at least want to see them give it a go. And Florida is not helping me feel great about the NBA's return, even though Adam Silver said he's still confident in the bubble concept. Uh, But it seems like things are getting a little tense when you see that Florida's set records for single-day coronavirus cases in seven of the past 10 days. 
and I know they've opened back up and they've been living their lives and you're going to see bigger numbers when people are doing that. I get that. The only thing that is keeping me encouraged, Ted, is that a ton of these cases are in South Florida and of course, Orlando, not in South Florida. It's in Central Florida. So you're the more reasonable of the two of us. <laughs> should I be worried or should I just continue thinking that we're going to be seeing some NBA basketball late July? Because I, I, I still feel good about it, but Florida's not helping anything. Now, when you ask, should you be worried, that's hard to answer because should you oh, no. Sh- you're supposed to just tell me no what are you doing <laughs> should you be worried about any of the players um having any difficulty with the virus and having complications enough to where it should derail the nba coming back no but okay. Th- should you be you. worried about um the NBA overreacting to the spike in cases in Florida. Yes. You should be very worried about that. Again, there are a group, same as major league baseball. There is a group of players in the NBA that does not want to play, whether it's because they actually feel uh, scared that they might get the virus and have complications. Although uh, almost statistically impossible at this point, um, is it that, or is it the fact that they've made $100 million in their life and just want the rest of their summer off? I don't know what it is, but there is a, definitely a group that uh, isn't, isn't just thrilled about going to play in Orlando. So um, I wouldn't worry so much about the cases as I would the guys or the NBA overreacting to them. Now, some players have expressed some concerns about the staff that is going to be on site, that's going to be helping the players, the Disney staffers that won't be required to quarantine. And also it doesn't sound like they're going to be tested. Now, when you look at the safety protocol manual that the NBA put out there, it seems pretty thorough. And I know it was widely praised by epidemiologists and other smart people that looked at it. But I still don't understand. Why don't they just lock the staffers in there? Like, like there'd be people just pay them extra, lock them in there, quarantine them. I, I don't understand. Now I give get them. The, if, if, if you would pay me extra and give me the same perks that the teams are getting as far as the mills and the, the uh, ping pong table, ping yeah. pong tables and all that stuff. Yeah. I'd do that for, a they get to months. go to the DJ sets. Yeah. Sign me up. I, I, I find it hard to believe that there's not some Disney staffers that would sign up for that that say, hey, you get to, and remember, they'd be getting tested and they'd be quarantined, so you know they'd be negative, and you say, hey, you can, you know, take pictures with these guys and, and stuff like that. I, I think a bunch of people would sign up for that arrangement, but maybe I'm crazy. I'd, hell, I'd probably leave my wife and my dogs to go do that. Here's, here's the frustrating part. I got to cut that out. My wife <laughs> listens to this every once in a while. She's not, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll edit that out. Um, here's the frustrating part because I know the players are bringing this up and they're worried about that. They're not really worried, but it's something for them to bring up. Are they worried right now that the people that are preparing their, their food, whenever they go out to eat or go do, uh, whatever it is that they're doing right now, are they worried about those people 
having not been quarantined and isolated from the rest of the population? No, they're not worried about that. So um, I think this is just another, maybe a bargaining chip. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's too much. Doesn't make any sense to me, but you know, Hey, if, <laughs> if the guys are dead set on not playing, they're going to continue to find things like this to bring up. I mean, yeah, that's and I think, how, how, how it goes. Yeah. And I, they got to figure things out quickly. Cause right. There's, I mean, there's testing for players and staff that's supposed to start today. Right. So, I mean, they're, they've got their couple of weeks of workouts in their home cities and then they're on their way to Orlando. So hopefully everything gets ironed out. I, I remain optimistic. Now, one more piece of NBA news, which I was very excited to see. And that's Victor Oladipo. Now we had thought maybe, you know, a guy like Kevin Durant would maybe make a comeback with the season being pushed back. It's clear that he's not going to play after the torn Achilles, but, Victor Oladipo has made it clear that he's thinking about playing in Orlando for the Indiana Pacers. Now, clearly missed a ton of time with the torn quad tendon, which, oh, my gosh, talk about a painful injury. Absolutely That has to brutal. be horrible. Oh, my god! And gosh. I'm shocked that it's not a – and I, I know it's intensive, but that seems like something that would be very difficult, if not uh, impossible, to come back from. Well, it – I don't know, now I'm not a doctor, but you think about the quad tendon and then the patellar tendon, and we've seen what's happened to Andre Robertson with the torn patellar tendon. So yeah. for I, I was very excited to see that Oladipo is considering it because that means he's bounced back really well from the injury, and he had a career year the year before. I mean, was an all-star there in the East. I mean, really took his game to another level there in Indiana and then had that terrible injury. So you see Indiana, they're, they're sitting at the five seed in the East. I I can guarantee you one thing, the Miami heat is looking at it because that's who they have now. I know they're playing the eight seeding games and you know, the records could change, but if you're the Miami heat looking at it going, "Whoa, whoa, 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 we did not want them with Victor Oladipo, but you gotta be extremely cautious ramping it up that quickly and this is this is something old depot said he's he's going to do the smart thing but it sure would be sweet to have him come back and that, that could add a really fun wrinkle to the eastern conference side of things no it could um they were playing really well whenever he was healthy they had all their guys there so i, I mean i was hoping to see a bunch of these guys back i was hoping to see kd back um you know, just a, a bunch of the different guys that he, we had kind of too, forgotten about. He's too busy going at it with Kendrick Perkins uh, <laughs> on multiple media platforms. He he doesn't want to play basketball, actually. Yeah, every, uh, that's a great sign that everyone's got way too much time on their hands and needs something to do, for sure. But, man, it's, it's going to be cool to see some of these guys back out there. Um, when it happens, Gabe, not if it happens. There it's going to happen. Positivity. We're playing hoops. We're Let's playing hoops. All right, let's move on, Ted, to our winners and losers of the weekend. Like our guy Toby Keith says, we got winners, we got losers. Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Texas Tech. 
Um, and it's, huh? Yeah, Texas Tech has quietly put together a decent little uh, transfer group of guys. They just got Chadarius Townsend, who's a four-star running back, graduated, transferred from Alabama. He's oh, got- Alabama doesn't have good players. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, he wasn't able to get on the field. I don't know, maybe because they've had these uh, unbelievable beasts at running back the last couple of year- years. But uh, add him to a – linebacker from Michigan State, a lineman uh, that they got as well, another linebacker out of uh, Duke that's supposed to be a pretty decent player. So they've actually stacked up some decent players, but this one has a chance to be a day one starter for them and and actually pretty good contributor, Jadarius Townsend out of Alabama goes to Texas Tech. So wait, they've got a Shadarius and a Siradric now? (laughs) <laughs> that's a yes. hell of a backfield boys it sure is yes no that'll a, be uh, we'll have to work with t row a little bit on that i one. am uh i i i'm about as big of a matt wells fan as you're gonna find and i do think i'm not sure about their defense under keith patterson i, I don't know if they've got the players but go back and look at what david yost did in year two at utah state in that offense mm-hmm if Alan Bowman's healthy, watch out for Texas Tech offensively. I wouldn't be surprised if they average 45 points a game. Something I, I think they're going to put up big-time numbers, big-time numbers. So keep an eye on that. Remember that. Now, they may give up 60, but right. they're, they're going to score. Uh, I think that David Yost is he, – he's a hell of an offensive coordinator. And if they can get Bowman to stay healthy for an entire year, you got to remember – Jet Duffy, who played the majority of games for them last year, once Bowman got hurt, he came into the season like their four-string quarterback. Mm-hmm. So things did not go particularly well. And remember the name Maverick McIver. I'm just saying. He, he may end up playing a little QB for Tech as well because before he got hurt heading into the last season, they liked him to be the backup at the very least behind Bowman. I talked to David Yost a couple weeks ago about it. So it's just watch out for tech could be a big year too for our man, Matt Wells. I hope the uh, Bowman kid can keep the lung inflated. Um, He's a heck of a player. He's got a huge arm. He's accurate, athletic, got a little bit of a gunslinger mentality to to him. Uh, We almost watched him uh, beat us down there in Lubbock on a crazy night, but he couldn't come out for the second half. So no, he came out. He just keel over. <laughs> Remember, he keeled over run. on the field. It was the weirdest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Remember, I, that was – they were like, he got hit in the up. head with a, with a football. He got a concussion. And I was like, no, that didn't happen. He just fell over. I think it was Buzzy that popped the old lung. Yeah, yeah. wishing the best for Alan Bowman. I've had, had the chance of interviewing him a couple times on my SiriusXM show. That's a guy you can root for. All right, Ted – who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Uh, Philadelphia Eagles tied in Dallas Goddard. Ooh. Oh, my God. Mm. This is why you don't go out to bars in South Dakota, uh, which I don't know. Is he from South Dakota? Yeah, but- he, went, he, went to, he went to one of those schools. He was a North Dakota, South Dakota guy in college, right? I, I don't know. That sounds right. We'll say it's right. Why, Who cares if it's right or not? Yeah, why else would you be in South Dakota? Let's hope he went to school there. Mount Rushmore? In South Dakota. Is that That's in South Dakota, right? Mount Rushmore? Yeah. Yep. Um, he's at a bar late, 
nothing good happens after midnight, right? Gabe, you've only heard that 10,000 times in your life. And a little bit of a situation happens. He's kind of separating a couple of people. Maybe he's got his hand on a guy's chest and he's pushing him backwards. And a dude comes at full sprint and lands a punch flush on his jaw and he is out. So that's about as big of a loser as mm. you can get because he takes the blindside shot to the jaw. And just in case that wasn't bad enough, now every single person on the planet has seen the video of you getting knocked out. So mm. I hate that for the guy. Yeah. Uh, luckily, he's made a ton of money playing football, so I, I think he'll be all right. But, yeah, you never want to be on video getting knocked out. I don't think anyone wants that. Uh, nope. That's just – it's hard to overcome. Now, brutal. It will be interesting to see if it there's any sort of litigation that results. I don't know. Is that the right word? I'm not a lawyer. Uh, someone's well, getting sued. Judging by the attendance in the bar that he was at, and probably the clientele in that bar, that I think all he can hope for is that someone pays off his tab from that night. That's about <laughs> it, right? Well, he didn't pay it. <laughs> what happens you know how like if you go Grab to a his bar, card out of his wallet yeah you know how if you go to a bar like and you don't close out your tab right they like double it some bars like double it or whatever yeah what happens if he just keeps getting his tab doubled for like a year because he wasn't able to grab it because he got his ass knocked out oh insult to injury yeah you would hope that they say uh while they're dragging him out of there they say Hey, Dallas, this one's on us this time. We'll pick up your tag. Sorry, brother. See you next week. Yeah. Gosh. That was brutal. That would be that would be terrible if his friends let him get sucker punched and knocked out and didn't get his card, didn't pay his tab. He'd get some better about, friends, Goddard. They stayed and finished the night out at the party, wait until the, uh, the last lights were turned out. All their buddies at one point were like, hey, where'd Dallas go? <laughs> Oh, we threw him in the ambulance outside. He'll be fine. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> All right. My winner of the weekend, Teddy, mayonnaise. Yeah? Yes, mayonnaise. Um, the Belk Bowl is now the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Now, I'm not scared to admit this. I am not a mayonnaise guy. I hate coleslaw. I hate potato salad. In my humble opinion, mayonnaise is absolute trash. Now, some people say, well, what about Miracle Whip? Also trash. Mayo, Miracle Whip, I don't care. Now, some people say, well, you love ranch, Gabe. Isn't there some mayonnaise in there? And I answer that by saying, I don't know how ranch is made. I know I love it, but... It doesn't taste anything like... It doesn't uh, taste like mayonnaise, so get out of here with that talking point. Um, so are you, you're a mustard guy though. So like, are not you, really sandwiches, I, ranch, give me the ranch. If you're making a bologna sandwich, you put, okay, first of all, or I'm a Turkey sandwich. I'm a sophisticated human being. I don't eat Bologna anymore. <laughs> I'm not five Turkey sandwich, ham sandwich. What are you putting on it? If I had to choose my first choice is ranch. If ranch is not available, I will go with some sort of mustard. I can go with a classic yellow mustard, maybe a spicy Dijon, even, hey, a good honey mustard. Ooh, hell yeah. But mayonnaise is on. Uh, listen, I'll put it this way. 
if you see me putting mayonnaise on a sandwich, call the cops because I'm being held hostage. There's no way you'll see me doing that shit. I'm just telling you. And I get it. Everyone likes what they like. And I'm just here to tell you, mayonnaise is trash. So I was excited for Duke's Mayo that they got a bowl game. But then I started feeling bad for the players and the coaches that are going to have to take part in that game because what the hell does a bowl gift look like when the sponsors mayonnaise? What do you just get a giant tub of mayonnaise? <laughs> They're going to be, I, I don't know. They'll probably throw some gifts in there for them, but I know this by the end of the week, they'll be sick of mayonnaise. That's for sure. It's going to be all around the, uh, the player hospitality suite. I'm no fan of, uh, mayo myself i do like uh miracle quip however um but yeah i don't know i don't know what the bowl gifts are going to be like hopefully it's not just a couple of tubs of dukes which i've never had before is that I, weird that i've never i've never had it never seen it i'm not gonna i'm not even gonna pretend like i'd heard of dukes you know yeah. it's not a thing here in oklahoma now or maybe it is once again not a mayonnaise guy so if it is a thing here i'm sorry I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a connoisseur of mayonnaise. I think it's a, like a Carolina thing. I think it's like maybe South Carolina, North Carolina the games in Charlotte. I'm pretty sure. So maybe this it's is, from there. This is just a guess on my end, but the, the price point for sponsoring a bowl game must have just really dropped out of the barrel. <laughs> Like, that not, they, they sell a shit ton of mayonnaise. One or the other. I know. That, I mean, how much can a mayonnaise place actually be raking in if I've never even heard of it? Right. I mean, oh God, you know, you know what I just popped into my head. So, you know, during games now, like the new thing on defense, right, is like the turnover chain, or like there's a throne, or there's a hat. Right. What happens if at the Duke's Mayo Bowl? You, you come to the sideline after a turnover, and they just like dump a tub of mayonnaise on your head, <laughs> tossing the mayo, boys, and he's up there like you know slinging on the sandwich. Yeah, that's uh, that's funny, man. I don't, I don't know. I think my guess is that Duke's put up like seventy five hundred bucks to sponsor the uh, the former formerly known as the Belk Bowl. Yeah, I wonder what happened to Belk once again. Don't know what Belk does either, but I, I am excited. Although I hate mayonnaise and I think <laughs> it is absolute trash, I am excited to see how mayonnaise gets incorporated in celebrations, um, whether that's is post that game, during is that what the game. Don't they jump on the uh, head coach's head after a big win, <laughs> a huge tub of mayonnaise? <laughs> Could you imagine? Like it's like a Gatorade cooler, but mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting! I would be so pissed off. <laughs> oh, On that note, uh, my loser of the weekend, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Now, some of us thought that hey, maybe Dak Prescott and the Cowboys would not agree on a deal, and maybe Dak would hold out and. Andy Dalton would be able to step in and maybe convince McCarthy that, hey, I can be the guy. I can be the guy. I can do it, coach. 
not so fast for our man Andy Dalton because Adam Schefter reported that Dak is signing his franchise tender today. Now, poor Dak Prescott, he's he's only going to get $31.4 million mm. to play football this year. But when you sign the franchise tender, that means you are going to be on the field so Cowboys fans can breathe a little sigh of relief that Dak Prescott is going to be the quarterback there in 2020. Now they still have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal. And there, here's one thing to think about. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, which I am not, but I will be this year because our boy Blake Bell is a Cowboy, and that that's really the only guy I'm keeping close tabs on and going to root for that team. No, if you, if you think about the franchise tag next year, Teddy, it's going to be somewhere north of $37 million. I think it's like $37.7 million. We've talked about with the coronavirus affecting seating and revenue and how that affects the salary cap. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys got a long-term deal done because of the mystery that kind of surrounds the future and what next year's salary cap looks like. Right. I, I tell you what's interesting is, I mean, in their quarterback room right now, they're probably going to have, uh, what, 31.4 with Dak right now. And I believe Andy Dalton's deal, originally they were saying that he was going to make $7 million this year, right, as the as the backup. Now, that's I don't know year. if that's, that's still true, but they're going to have, you know, well over $38 million this year tied up in their quarterback room. That's a ton of money. So, um, I don't know. It's it's fascinating. The best thing about it is Dak is making 31.4 this year. If they if they hit him with the tender again next year and the numbers are the same, 37.7, like you pointed out, that's a ton of money to pay and to receive when nobody, I don't think, uh, outside of some delusional Dallas Cowboys fans would put Dak Prescott even in what the top eight, ten, like where would where would you put Dak Prescott as far as quarterback play? How good he is in the NFL? Is he a top ten guy? Top eight guy? Yeah, top. I I think top ten is probably relatively safe. I mean, also you got to factor in the weapons he's going to have around him this year, right? Yeah, I mean he's to to not be anywhere near the best at your position and still make $31 million guaranteed, by the way, um, as soon as that ink hits the paper, $31.4 million will be paid to him no matter what happens. So um, as long as he shows up. So that is, uh, that's a home run for Dak Prescott for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt, but uh, too bad for the red rocket. Don't think he's uh going to see much field time hey you're an injury away Andy Dalton an injury away best backup in football though not a bad place to be if you're the Cowboys now Ted let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment and that is keeping it local where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma and I know a lot of our listeners probably anticipating a recap of the rally in Tulsa no Absolutely not. We're not doing politics. I refuse. You know what we're going to do? Fishing. And I'm not even an outdoors guy. Like, I don't pretend to be. Like, I, I don't, I'm not handy. 
I'm not an outdoorsman. I'm never going to act like I am. But I did read an interesting article in the Oklahoman about something called the Oklahoma Fishing Trail. Teddy, are you familiar with the Oklahoma Fishing Trail? I actually am familiar with it. Now, I've never hit it up, but I think I came across um, some of the same stuff that you did. I saw that it's been recently highlighted, and apparently going they expect this, and it already has, I guess, turned into a pretty big deal for the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, so I, I went down an Oklahoma fishing trail rabbit hole uh, early on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I, I logged on to fishingok.com, and oh my goodness, the amount of information on there. Now, the purpose of the Oklahoma fishing trail, from what I understand, is to get more tourism for the state by highlighting the great fishing in the state. So it's, uh, the, the website highlights like 38 lakes around the state, breaks it up into regions. I spent about 30 minutes on the website this morning, and it's got all the information you could ever want about fishing in the state of Oklahoma on there. We're talking marinas, fishing guides, lodging, restaurants. I went down a deep rabbit hole of the restaurants and it's even got like entertainment, like stuff to do around all the fishing spots. Dude, it's awesome. Now I do like fishing. I, I don't like getting up early and going fishing at five in the morning, but I like fishing in the afternoon and drinking. So maybe I just like drinking. I, I think I just realized <laughs> that, but this was really cool. And, and it was even cooler when I was reading up, like you said about what it's doing for Oklahoma and, I think the estimate between January 2019 and March 2020 was that the fishing trail had brought $39 million to the state in lodging revenue. It's pretty damn cool. I didn't even, I'm not going to lie. And I like to think I'm pretty dialed into what's going on in the state, but I had no idea that this existed, but I was pretty fired up to see that, you know, we're pumping some money into the state via fishing holes. I love it. It's fantastic. I'm the same as you. Do not consider myself an angler. I like catching fish, but I don't like fishing, if that makes sense. Um, if you can hand me a reel and guarantee me that whenever I throw it out in the water, I'm going to catch something, I'm game. But um, I get pretty sidetracked pretty quickly whenever I'm out in the boat. My dad, huge fisherman, absolutely loves it. Brother-in-law, huge fisherman, absolutely loves it. Uh, and there's a ton of people in the state that love it. And it's, it's big business, you know, whether it's uh, our guy, Chad McKee, on the Major League Fishing Circuit. The, vo the voice of fishing, a Chad voice McKee. And the voice and a face. Um, but are, are all around Oklahoma. I'll take credit Texas, for that beard. He grew that beard because of me. I'm taking full good. credit for it. It looks good. But uh, something like this, there's a ton of people that really enjoy fishing in surrounding states and love to take weekend trips or – uh, camping trips throughout a week uh, to take the kids fishing and stuff. So the fact that Oklahoma's putting some time, effort, and resources into highlighting some of the great uh, fishing holes we have around the, the state is awesome. Yeah, I, I was excited. I, my wife likes to fish, so maybe this is something really? I can – Yeah, oh, yeah, she enjoys it. She, but she's calm and patient and all that stuff that I'm not. So maybe – could we do like a couples fishing thing? You think Aaron would be on board? Why not? Well, um, <laughs> if we bring a bunch of, let's say, Will and Wiley seltzers. Huh? Yeah, 
Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a chance that she loves to be out on the water and loves boats, but fishing, I don't know. We could take a boat out and take some poles and, and see. That's fishing, right? Call it fishing, but <laughs> um, I don't know. That's going to be a hard sell, my friend. Noted. Well, maybe we'll do a different <laughs> form of lake trip then. Just the drinking part. That's that's the part that all four of us seem to enjoy the most. I'll ask her tonight. You know, she could surprise us and be like, a fishing trip? That sounds fantastic. You never, you know. never know. The you worst she know. can say is no. That's how right. that's how I see it. Now, uh, let's get to a Twitter question before we finish up, Ted. And full disclosure, uh, I got a really good Twitter question from a very inappropriate Twitter handle. So I'm not going to read the handle, but the question's really good. So yeah, that's that's where we're at in life. That's fine. I'm, hey, no judgment here. I just uh, yeah, can't read that. Not going to read that. Sorry, not even on the podcast. Which it I've cussed be, a bunch. It must this be really time. bad. Uh, yeah, no. There's um, some f bombs and stuff on here. That's that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Not not good. Can't read that. But it is a good question. Simple question. And this person asks, "What is your favorite sports movie?" Which there's a lot. There's a lot of good ones to choose from, but. And it's because of when it came out and how old I was when it came out. It's Remember the Titans for me. And I know that that is a basic bitch answer. I understand that that's a lot of people's favorite, but it's a football movie. I mean, it's it's got a lot of components into it. It's got some history in there. It's very motivational. Also, you know, when Gary gets injured, I, I still cry every time in that hospital scene between Gary and Julius. So it, it is a, it's a roller coaster of emotions and they end up winning. And I, I obviously Denzel unbelievable in that movie. So great acting, great story, you know, true story, historical component, the race relations. I feel like that m- means even more right now with what's going on in the country. And it's just damn good, man. They dance, they sing. I mean, it's, it, it's got everything. It's got freaking everything. And I know people will be like, oh, that's such, a, that's such an easy answer. Yeah, that's because the movie's fantastic. So give me a Remember the Titans. I don't care what you think, people. I'm gonna no, I do really... care what you think. I really do, please. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm Remember gonna, the I'm Titans. I'm going to really fine. show my age here with, uh, with my answer. I've got it down to three right now. The program. Oh, yes. Major League and Tin Cup. And I've seen all of these movies, I mean, at least a hundred times a piece. And w- when I was growing up, I grew up out in the country, didn't have cable. Right? All I had was like the basic antenna channels. And I had the movie Major League. And I basically, from about age 8 to age 12, watched that movie on repeat every single day, nonstop. Was it, Loved that movie. Was it just because of the cardboard cutout? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Best part you of the dirty movie. dog. Um, but the program, I mean, it came out whenever I was, I was probably like fifth or sixth grade, maybe. And oh, I bet you guys in Fort Gibson loved that movie. Loved it. 
I watched it all the time. Um, Did you ever see the version where they like never ate in the street? Nope, never saw it. Oh. It was take like I guess they pulled it out of theaters and cut it out before uh, I ever ever had a chance to see it. I wonder if there's like if you can see that. I've never seen that scene. I'd like to see if it's if it's out there somewhere. But uh, Mac, the middle linebacker off of that Alvin Mac, was my like I loved that guy. So, okay, so remind me. So for Thursday's episode, Andy Staples from the athletic is going to join us he's going to join us for an interview. He's my favorite college football writer and he's talked to the people that have made the program. He talked to, I think he had Alan Mack on his podcast, the Andy Staples show. So the, the, the actual guy, obviously. Yeah. Um, so remind we we got to ask him about it because he's got all these things. And it, now that it, I'm just be like Teddy's favorite movie is the program tell us everything you know because he's got an unbelievable wealth of information about that movie i can't wait because i basically as a uh little leaguer whatever you want to call it little league football and then like uh, junior high football tried to emulate and act like uh alvin mack and everything that i did i mean that is the least surprising thing of all time (laughs) so it's it's tin cup was just uh just always a favorite but it's between the program and major league if i had to pick i would probably pick major league it's so good it's so good now i still there's quote some, it on a daily basis there's some there's some big program fans out there going you know what teddy's pick is just a bit outside <laughs> oh my gosh I love it's so, that. Th- those, both of those movies are so damn good dude good picks I, I went kind of sappy with the Remember the Titans, but still, I, hashtag no regrets. Hey, and let me just say this while we're talking sports movie. A under-the-radar uh, sports movie that a lot of people haven't ever seen or even heard about, if you like boxing, is Digstown. Have you ever seen Digstown? I don't think so. What's it about? Alvin Mack is actually – he's in that movie, which was, is what made me think of it. He's one of the boxers in there. But it's a cool, it's a really cool movie. It's like an old 90s movie, early 90s movie, but it's, I, I really love that movie too. Well, now I'm going to have to find that and watch it. Dang it. I was hoping to go to bed early tonight, Ted, but now it's you've an, given me. A, an old heavyweight boxing champion has to fight 10 guys in 24 hours. And they've got that's, this huge, huge bet on it. It's, pre, it's a that, cool movie. That's, that's a terrible idea, but it sounds <laughs> awesome for a movie. Sign me up. All right, Ted episode 18 in the books now we'll have a new podcast that'll drop thursday morning just a reminder you can hear teddy from two to six on sports talk 1400 you can hear me on sirius xm big 12 radio channel 375 we will be joined by andy staples on thursday's show to talk all kinds of things but certainly a ton about college football now i hope you all have a great week And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
just one more 